Good morning, everybody. It's so great to be able to come to you and uh, we study God's Word together. And we are learning how to journey to the corner of faith and life. We're on this road and we're trying to get to that intersection, that wonderful sweet spot, that corner where it all comes together, where the path is made plain, where the, where the road is clear for us. And it's at the corner of faith and life. So we're in week four of the book of James and we're learning how to, um, we're learning how to be on this journey called life and, and for it to be the most effective and smoothest journey that it can be. Although we are finding that there's challenges and struggles along the way and Jesus says we're to count it all joy when we have those things come into our life because God says ultimately those are good things that help us to grow in our dependence upon him and it also builds our spiritual muscles, our, our endurance. We're also learning how to be doers of the word and, and not just hearers only. Um, we're, we're learning how to be not just mere followers of Christ, we are learning how to be apprentices of Jesus, Jesus the master teacher. And we want to learn his teachings. We want to learn his way. We want to emulate him in life with each other and, and the world that we live in. And so, um, so this, is what, this is what our heart seeks to do. We are serious apprentices of Christ. And he's teaching us not to live lives of partiality toward others, but to love and to treat people with dignity and respect and loving everyone as our neighbor. Isn't that interesting? And so our, fa our faith is known by our works, you know? And, and, and that faith is, is just idle words without, being, without us being the hands and feet of Jesus to those around us, including the, the marginalized in life. You know who those are, right? That would be the lost, people who have lost their way, the least, the people that in our culture are looked down on, and the last, people that just aren't on the radar of, of our culture as a whole. And so God has called us to, to be his hands and feet. Our faith is shown by our works. And so living faith, but we're also doing life together. And, and so let me ask you, are you in community? <clears throat> Do you have a life group that is able to get together either by phone or maybe on Zoom or, or maybe you're able to... Um, uh, just to be able to email one another? Are you staying in touch? Are you praying together? Are you, are you still doing life together? Life group is so vital. And I would say that if you've kind of backed off of life group, let me encourage you during this time. We all need each other and we need community with each other. So let me encourage you to pursue that. Remember community, we don't do that because it's easy. We do community because we're called to as believers. And in the church, we do our community together through life groups. And so, um, so I wanna encourage you that if you don't have a life group, hey, would you let me know? We would be glad to help you be able to get into a life group. Carol and I are starting a, a new virtual life group. Carol and I are also starting a virtual life group. Trevor will love this. Um, of Spanish-speaking and English-speaking people. 
And so we're identifying some folks, and um, with my mastery of the Spanish language, you know, como esta, um, we're, we're going to do that. And then we're, we're looking at uh, being able to get some other groups together as well. Uh, Trevor and Sherry are also doing the same thing. So community is important. Reach out to me, uh, even on, on YouTube or Facebook, even today in the comments. Just put uh, more info on, on life groups or life groups question mark, and we'll reach out to you. So going into today, James is showing us the characteristics of spiritual maturity and, and endurance. And, and so, so far we've seen that we're patient in adversity. Number two, our practices of faith, we do it by love and we do it in action, faith and works. And then today, we're looking at controlling our tongue. This is where James takes us in chapter 3. Words. Oh man, we sure speak them. Uh, and we do a lot of it. On average, you know, not, not too much of an extrovert or not too much of an introvert, just on average, the average person spends 20% of their life talking. Do you believe that? Uh, if, uh, if all of our words were put into, a, uh, into print... The, the results would be something like this. A single day's log of words would fill a 50-page book. Isn't that interesting? Um, maybe some of us a little less, maybe some of us a little more. In a year's time, the average person would fill 132 books of 200 pages each. Now that's a lot of opportunities to share Jesus with words of grace and peace and hope and encouragement. Or uh, it could be a, a horrific fiasco of hurt and pain and tears and anger and hurt and maybe even broken reputations. So what does James tell us about our tongue? And how does that work on this journey to the intersection of faith and life? Well, the first thing is, number one, the tongue can control us. Uh, you know, somebody read earlier um, the, uh, the passage, and, and when Dave, uh, sorry about that, Dave, when Dave Wyatt was reading that, did you notice the wording of how it flows in this section? If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. And then verse 4, look at the ships also, though they're so large and are driven by strong winds, they're guided by a very small rudder. Wherever the will of the pilot directs, the winds have no bearing on that. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. So it gives a couple of examples there. You can take a 100-pound jockey and put them on top of a 2,000-pound horse, and they will control that horse with just a bridle. Or a huge ship that's housing 5,000 people, kind of a city at sea, like a cruise ship. You know, it, it's, got, it's got, relatively speaking to the size of the ship, a small rudder that controls uh, where that ship goes. You know, it's kind of interesting. So the tongue can, can guide our life into either blessing or blasting. 
You know, the tongue can either open doors or slam doors shut. The tongue can endear us to people or it can drive people away from us. And the tongue can encourage or it can discourage. Let me ask you, is your tongue controlling you or are you controlling it? It can take your life away from friends and family if, uh, if the tongue controls us. There's a second thing here. The tongue can consume others. The tongue is an arsonist. That's what the Bible uh, is referring to here in this passage. Uh, it's a fire that's set on purpose to cause damage. You know, we, we used to sing a song when, when I was uh, at camp as a kid. And uh, maybe you've heard this song. I'm, I'm going to sing it for you this morning. I, I, I can do that because you see your way out there in viewer land. And it goes something like this. One dark night when we were all in bed, old Miss O'Leary took a lantern to the shed. And when the cow kicked it over, she turned around and said, it'll be a hot time in the old town tonight. Did you ever sing that? Well, it was referring, it was a fun song referring to the Chicago Fire, but I, I've got to tell you, I looked up some statistics on the Chicago Fire, and it's not very fun to read. The Chicago Fire happened at 8.30 in the evening. It began, and it began on October 8th, 1871, and it went on for days. It grew rapidly because a lot of buildings back then were were uh, wooden. It had been a particular dry fall, and so disastrous, di disastrous proportions happened here. 300 people were killed. 100,000 people were homeless. It destroyed 17,500 buildings at a cost to the city of 400 million, and if you adjust it to inflation for today, that would be $7 billion in today's money. All because a fire started somewhere, whether it was old Miss O'Leary's barn or, or someplace else. It started out as a very small flame, and that fire grew to horrific proportions. Our tongue is capable of real damage and tragedy. Look, look at verse 5. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great? A forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. Some of the fires that we've seen in uh, northern Canada or out in California uh, began with a campfire or it began with a match intentionally just thrown into to dry uh, 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 trees and undergrowth. And humongous thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of acres and Real estate destroyed, people losing their life. So he says here in verse 6, The tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. You know, I, I, I want to say, James, how do you really feel, right? I mean, that's pretty strong. But the tongue is, uh, frankly, it's not always about talking out loud, right? Many times it's what we write or it's how we write it, the tone of it. 
the way we come across on Facebook or Twitter or other social media, the vitriol and bombastic and mean things that people say hiding behind a computer. These are not things that you and I should be a part of, ever, for no reason. There's no good reason. I can't imagine Jesus writing some of the stuff that I've seen Christians write hiding behind a computer. And it's a little fire that engages the forest of culture and people around us and causes great heartache and damage just by what we say and how we say it. The Bible's talking about this. It's the biggest cause of damage by the tongue is, is talking about people without the benefit of their hearing it. The tongue can cause great damage to a forest, like a fire can to a forest, the tongue can to the lives of people by slander and gossip and the mean things that we would say. Rick Warren uses a definition of gossip that I think is pretty good. Here's what he says. When we're talking about a situation with somebody who is neither part of the problem or part of the solution, then we're probably gossiping. Another way to put it is if you were talking about somebody with another person and they walked into the room, would the conversation stop all of a sudden? That might be a good sign that gossip was going on. I dare say that all of us, all of us, this morning have had a run somewhere in our life of a fiery tongue at some moment in time towards somebody. But maybe for some of us watching this, maybe it's many times the tongue has done this and the damage is undoable. I, I, I heard of a story of, of a guy who in the church who went to see his pastor one day and he admitted to, to judging a, a person's motives and, and spreading a story about that person. And he, he felt really bad about it. He, he, he was wrong and he wanted to know how to take it back, how to take these things back that he had complained and, and gossiped to a lot of people about. He had judged this other person and cu accused this other person and, and, and realized he'd been wrong. And the pastor wisely looked at him and said, I think I can help you with this, but I, I need you to wait and come back tomorrow and bring a pillow with you. The guy kind of raised his eyebrows, but he said, okay, pastor, I'll do that. And the next day, the pastor and this guy met, and this guy brought a pillow, and they walked out side of the church over to a little hillside. The wind was blowing, and, and so the pastor slit the pillow and then dumped the pillow, the feathers, into the air, and, and, and of course the breeze just took the feathers everywhere. And then this pastor looked over to the guy and said, all right, now go pick up every one of those feathers that we've lost just now and bring those back to me. And the guy looked at the pastor and said, pastor, that, that would be impossible. And the pastor said, that's exactly right. What we say, what our tongue says, what the attitude of our heart is toward people, 
when said to other people and then to other people, those are feathers that we can never get back. The damage is done. The pillow is slit. And so the tongue consumes and damages hearts and lives and relationships. And a gossiping tongue misses the intersection of faith and life. It misses the sweet spot of where God wants us. It's at the intersection of faith and life that we can that we can get directions onto the right road that he wants us to continue on. That intersection is so important. It's where we need to be. It's where we need to be heading toward every day of our life. And we frankly rarely have the full story when our tongues get heated up. And so James says, hey, beware of fire. That's what he's saying there. The third thing is the tongue contradicts who we are. You know, if, if you look at, uh, again, Dave read this a while ago, but if you look at verses 8 and 10, you, you can see that, that the tongue, it's, re, it's, re, it's restless and evil and full of deadly poison, he says in verse 8. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. Wow. So James cautions us, to, to examine who we are and who we belong to and who does our tongue, tongue belong to. God doesn't want us to praise the Lord in one breath and then talk negatively about a person, any person. Uh, we're all made in God's image. All of us are. Every man, every person is made in God's image. Human beings, your boss, your teacher, your own spouse, your own kids, your own parents, other brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, This is important that God says, hey, don't do that. Don't, Don't praise me in one breath and then let somebody have it or talk about somebody behind their back in the next breath. Listen, every person, they're made in my image. They're all image bearers of me. I don't want you talking about them like that. That's very convicting, isn't it? And so uh, he even suggests the source of the double-minded tongue. Yeah, Look down at verse 11. Does a spring of water bubble out with both uh, fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? Watch this last part. No. And you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. So God gives us, in his word here, some very sober warnings. Maybe if if our tongue is sharp and hurtful, uh, it's easy for us to kind of be confused, thinking that, hey, I'm just being real. Hey, I'm just telling it like it is. That's right to do, isn't it? When actually God says that our heart and our soul is poisoned like a salty spring. Is your heart this morning a fresh, refreshing drink of water? Or is your heart this morning a salty, poisonous spring? It's either or. 
Is there any hope that a person can change? Is there any hope that that spring can be cleaned? And the great news is absolutely. Look at verse 13. If you are wise and understand God's way, prove it by living an honorable, that word honorable uh, means praiseworthy, an honorable life, doing good works with humility. Uh, That's talking about a gentle attitude that comes from wisdom. See, that's the key. You don't want to be a salty, poisonous spring, right? Okay, then we have to have wisdom that is from God. If you're wise, if you understand God's ways, well, we're going to be asked to prove that in living this honorable, humble life and doing good works with those around us. You see, our tongue can communicate the spirit of Jesus when we yield our heart to him on a daily basis. How, that, that's important, on a daily basis. Um, the scripture says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. You see, if, if the tongue has been a fire, then this is what God is calling us to. He's calling us to a place, first of all, recognizing it for what it is. It's a fire. And to confess it. And God says he'll forgive us of it. He'll cleanse us. That's what cleanses that salty spring and turns it into a fresh, bubbly, refreshing stream of water, is when God cleanses us. This passage is written to those who would call themselves followers of Jesus. Uh, He is saying, hey, we all mess up. There's things that get a hold of us, and I can cleanse you of that. I will forgive you of that if you ask, if you come, if you humble your heart to me. So here is the proof in the pudding of whether our heart is a pure, refreshing spring or a salty, poisonous spring. Are you ready? Look at verse 17. But the wisdom from above is, first of all, pure, peace-loving, gentle at all times. Not most times, at all times. Not not just when, when times are relaxing and everything's going well, but when the car breaks down or when the baby's been crying. God calls us to be gentle at all times, willing to yield to others. You see, that's how you take a poisonous, salty spring and turn it into a beautiful, refreshing, delicious, uh, helpful spring of water. And that is when we are willing to yield to others. We don't always have to get the last word in. And we don't always have to make others look bad so we can look good. You see, it's a heart of humility, gentle at all times. Look at this full of mercy and fruit of good deeds. Remember we studied this in Galatians? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness. See, that's what he's calling us to. That, that's the refreshing springs that God wants to bubble up inside of us. He goes on to say it shows no favoritism and it's always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. This is a powerful truth. And it's a wonderful truth, parents, to be able to teach your kids right now. 
of being a peacemaker and of planting seeds of peace with with their brothers and sisters and with their friends and and to be able to reap this harvest of righteousness. Walt Disney used to use a couple of terms to describe people that he met through the years. Two of the terms he used. He said, I I have met um, well poisoners. Uh, that's his word. People who had habitually been unkind, tearing down people, critical, negative. Um, but he said, I also met life enrichers. Uh, people who habitually encouraged and affirmed and exuded kindness and sought to make the load a little lighter for others. Remember verse 17? Seeking this wisdom from above. God is calling us as believers. God is calling us into revival. God is calling us to a place of repentance so that we can be like Jesus in these days when people desperately need to see Jesus. There's plenty of folks who are scared and they're scared about catching the virus. They're scared about the future. Uh, frankly, there's a lot of people who are grumpy and, and quarantine fatigued. But verse 17 calls us to be Jesus to loved ones, to people at work in the fall, to people at school. Verse 17 calls us to be peaceful. In fact, the word peacemaker, it means literally to create something new in our hearts and in the hearts of others around us. God calls us with these words and actions of Jesus, this wisdom from above. God is calling you to be a life enricher in Jesus' name. And uh, and maybe maybe you're watching this morning and you've been hurt by the words of others. Remember the old kids thing, stick and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's not true. Sometimes words leave deeper scars than bruises that heal up would ever leave. And I, I encourage you today uh, to please let God speak to your spirit about this. Maybe, maybe you've been hurt by the words of others. Maybe your church experience has been a very toxic situation in your life, and I sure am sorry for that. Man, I, I don't want that to happen. Um, uh, us, us folks who follow Christ, we don't always get it right. We, we mess up. That, 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 that's what this message is all about. We're trying to be more like Jesus. And so I, I want to encourage you that if you've been hurt, uh, I just want to encourage you that Jesus can heal the hurts in our lives. He understands. And he's calling you to him this morning. He loves you and you are enough in his hands. You are enough. doesn't matter what man says. It doesn't matter what somebody else has said. It doesn't matter. You are enough in God's hands. He loves you. He's gently calling you today to himself. And we can help. This morning, if, if that is your story, maybe right now you would like to just on Facebook or YouTube, just, just text, pray. And we'll have one of our pastors. We have folks who are monitoring the, the texts uh, this morning. They'll reach out to you and, and can get together uh, and pray with you or, or maybe help give you some advice. 
Maybe you're here this morning and God is speaking to you about your, your heart has become a salty, poisonous spring. And maybe today, maybe God is showing you, oh man, I want my heart to be fresh and bubbly and renewing and refreshing to me and to others. I want Jesus to flow through me. Maybe it's a matter of confession this morning. Maybe it's a matter right where you are, right where you are, just to bow your head and say, God, my tongue has not belonged to you, but I want it to. My spirit has not belonged to you. It's been a salty, poisonous spring. And I ask for you to make it into a refreshing stream of encouragement and love of you, Jesus, flowing through me. Let me tell you, God will hear that prayer. And maybe you'd like to talk to somebody about that. What are my next steps? What should I do about that? And then third, maybe you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior. You, you would like to become a follower of Jesus. You love his teachings and you love who this Jesus is that you're finding out about. He, he's not like the religious Jesus. This is the real Jesus of the Gospels and how real and loving he is. Right where you are this morning, would you just give your life to him? Say, Jesus, I give my life to you. Lord, I recognize that, that you went to the cross for my brokenness, my shame. Lord, I, I want you to forgive me of my sins. I, I want you to come into my life and take over. I want you to be the boss. Right where you are. Can you pray those words? That's a prayer he will always hear. And so I just encourage you this morning. We'd like to help you understand what that decision means. We are here for you in any way that we can. For our church family, for, for those of you that have kind of made us for this time your church family or, or that you're new, uh, checking us out or you're new to faith, doesn't matter. We, we, are, we are here together and we would love to help any way that we can. Uh, there'll be an email. You can just email us if you'd like to that you'll see at the end of the uh, service and reach out to us, it'd be a privilege. Uh, you, you don't have to go through this all by yourself. And uh, I pray that this week, you will ask God to help your tongue, number one, to belong to him, and that you would use it as an instrument of peace with gentleness and humility, and not having to get the last word in, or not having to be right. I pray that this week will be a new day, a new week. I pray that a salty, poisonous spring goes away today and God replaces it with his refreshing water, the water of the word. I pray that that will happen for you this week. You are loved and we look forward to seeing you again in the days ahead. And I pray that God will bless you keep you and that he'll abide with you and that he'll use you this week to be his hands and feet for our faith without works is dead so we are alive in christ and so are our hands and our heart and our lips they belong to christ god bless you you are loved